what's everyone's favorite landmark that they've seen in real life? <laughs> I mean, I don't know about it's definitely not my favorite, but it's the one that's most memorable, which is the replica of Stonehenge that's in Washington State. Do you know where this is? What? No. <laughs> There's a Washington Stonehenge? I'm surprised you haven't seen it. It's actually really close to Portland. Uh, let me look it up where it's at. Whenever we would go from Portland uh, east, you would you could technically pass this thing, especially if you were on the Washington side, because I think that's where any of the signs are. Oh, for yeah. It. It's, it's, the, out, it's far out. It's past the Dalles. The Mary Hill. I mean, why would you have it anywhere where there's people? <laughs> Mary Hill, Washington. Yeah. The Stonehenge World War I Memorial. Which I don't know how those two things are <laughs> related. Yeah. Well, no one knows why Stonehenge is there. Maybe it <laughs> is like a time traveling World War One mon, you know, like memorial monument. <laughs> it just showed up one day, and it was like, "I'm here to commemorate World War One." <laughs> he didn't even do it with stones. He did it with concrete. What? Wow. It's listed on the National Register of Historic Places. It's honoring World War uh, <laughs> veterans who died in World War One, specifically soldiers from Klickitat County, Washington. Uh, just to let everyone know, this is just north of Locust Grove. <laughs> Wonderful place to live. Wonderful. If you don't place. mind swarms. Yeah, it got real biblical all of a sudden in eastern Washington. <laughs> like, there's Snakes Valley and Death of the Firstborn Hill. I don't know. Feels Frog wrong. fall. <laughs> yeah, I can't think of a favorite landmark, though. Kyle, do you have one? Oh, I definitely do. I'm from southern Ohio. So we would go into Kentucky to go to Mammoth Cave, which is this, like, gigantic, immense hole in the earth that is sh shocking and quite lovely. But, yeah, you have to, like, wear a little hard hat, like a little tourist hard hat. It's really cute. And yeah, we would like go down the steps and see all the like glistening cave walls and like a bunch of bats lived there. Like this place is huge. Definitely, definitely my monument slash landmark of choice. <laughs> I can't, I also forgot about the underground subways that you used to go scour, right? Yeah, all oh, around Cincinnati. Right. Yeah, a lot of <laughs> subterranean labyrinths in your state. <laughs> I just like them. <laughs> You're a mole person. <laughs> yeah, how don't you? Why don't you guys have more Ninja Turtles in Ohio? <laughs> Feels like that's where they would lair, right? Absolutely, Any of these places. Yeah. We gotta import toxic sludge. Yeah. <laughs> that's true. The pizza's not as good at all. Yeah, yeah. Those teenage mutant ninja turtles aren't doing that chili on pasta. <laughs> no, no. I'm gonna be boring here. I think my favorite landmark is the Statue of Liberty. Now, where's this? Uh, in Washington? Yeah, yeah, I'm talking about the one in Washington State. It's made of toothpicks, and it's actually a memorial for all the people who died in the plague. So, uh, Which didn't take place on this continent. No, no, it doesn't really matter. Uh, they're doing what they want in Washington State. You know, They're like, no income tax, no rules. That's how they feel. If um, only they had toothpicks, they may have lived. <laughs> Yeah, I, you know, I just feel like uh, in New York, like you see it all the time, you know, I, I remember it was out many of my apartment's window, you know, or on the rooftop view, you could see the Statue of Liberty and it's like, wow, that's wild. Cause like people would like cross an ocean and like see that as like their first like thing when they're coming to America. Yeah. And then I'm just like paying too much money for an apartment and it just happens to be in my view, you know? 
it's like kind of a reality check of like, wow, that this is an important place, you know. You cry while looking at it while paying your rent. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and it it sheds a tear as well. Um, yeah, that book it's holding is just full of like rent ledgers. <laughs> also, I love ending my turn there and scoring an extra point. That's one of my favorite parts about the Statue of Liberty. What are we talking about in this episode, Sammy Boy? Oh, we are talking about landmarks. And right. we are specifically talking about all of them except the Lost City. That's right, because we did a full episode on the Lost City. Yeah. And it was a blast. Yeah, and then we're going to do a full episode on all the others. Just to put it <laughs> in perspective of how important we think the Lost City is as a landmark. And we can cover the rest of these. Also, some of the best ones uh, we've had for a while in the Ferry and the Tower Obviously, with advanced setup, it kind of changes our relationship to these because they can appear on any map and in mm -hmm. different clearings than we're used to seeing them. So we'll kind of get into that. But yeah, we're going to cover all of the landmarks. That's why we're calling this episode Other Landmarks. <laughs> <laughs> Miscellaneous That's landmarks. what you locked it into? <laughs> if you see the title of this document is Landmarks Part 2, Subtitle Sequel. Oh, I thought it was just non-Lost City landmarks. <laughs> uh, Lost City, by the way, was episode 53 for those of you that missed it. And we had a lot to talk about because it was just so dynamic. Not that these aren't dynamic, but they're not quite as game-changing as the Lost City was, for sure. Yeah, the Lost City was just like a nexus of, you know, rules interactions. And it, it amplifies different things about each of the factions in crazy ways. And then those amplifications interact in kind of all sorts of fascinating ways. So, yeah, it really did take a full episode to dive into all the uh, the kind of details. Um, but this is going to be a lean, mean episode. We're going to cover all the rest. The landmarks that maybe you haven't busted them out of your expansion box yet. We're going to try and give you a reason to do so, because these guys are pretty cool. Yeah. But before that, we've got some... Uh, that's right a uh, couple items here community plays root season two is starting up soon uh they are having captains sign up soon so if you want to be a captain the time to do that is now and not during the first turn of the game where you just decide that you're a <laughs> captain and make a bunch of moves for your team okay the time to do that is now i i can hear they're like we have a process this year and all i hear is these are the Sam rules, you know? <laughs> you just have to be online and be ready to take your move. You have to be on top of things. It's some responsibility, but we need reliable people to do it. Yeah. And we're very excited for Community Plays Root Season 2. The first one was such a blast. We'll yes. be talking about it on the pod. Um, but yeah, very excited for Season 2. I'll put a link to the Discord for Community Plays Root. That's where you can go sign up to be a captain. There's a pinned message uh, somewhere in that server. Also, we've got the Root Jam 2023 voting has begun. So uh, the factions are all made up here. We are voting on them. And uh, SP Shaman has already raised over $500 for Doctors Without Borders. But go ahead and go uh, check that out. Vote on them. Donate. Uh, it's for a good cause. It's been a very successful endeavor year after year. So go check out Root Jam 2023. Sam, have you looked at it yet? No. It's okay. No shame. No shame. I'm not asking <laughs> you because I was like trying to call you out. It's been a busy week. But I actually took a peek today, and <laughs> there's not not just one, 
but two factions that are based on gambling slash casinos slash roulette. Oh, interesting. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, there's, I just have to mention this one because it's just so funny. It's Koalas Vegas yeah, I'm looking at is the name now. of this faction. And there's a whole roulette uh, mini game with them. Uh, their buildings, I believe, are called Koalasinos. <laughs> which is just tickles me i i just i wonder if our conversations maybe inspire these i'm not sure i love this art too it's like a koala that's also like uh jigsaw from saw and uh <laughs> mr mime yeah 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 <laughs> yeah but if they were like working for the mob yeah <laughs> there's also the casino conclaves which are bands of sly serpentine gamblers whose goal is to establish a modern nightlife resort in the woodland <laughs> get ready for high stakes snakes oh wait there's a third there's a third one the diamond back dealers also snake gamblers casinos around the forest holy cow there's three casino based ones okay anyway i won't go into the, all of these but you guys Does should anyone definitely have a check rule out. that's bet on black or a bet on red i'm trying to see here uh you bet on clearings with the koalas that's so, so. cool yeah, it's very clever. Um, you guys should go, everybody should go check these factions out just for fun and inspiration. But also if you want to include them, there's uh, the boards are available. So not the pieces yet, obviously, but we'll see who wins and maybe gets big uh, printable files. Very cool. Very, very cool. All right. And one last piece of Root news, and this is a little bit of Root Con news. And that is that we are sending out an update email this week. Uh, long awaited. Thanks for everyone's patience. But we are uh, getting back to you about hotel blocks as well as some uh, kind of changes to the way we're thinking about doing the tournament and uh, some update on some prize stuff. But expect more updates as they come. Uh, we uh, have been very gratefully overwhelmed with everyone's enthusiasm and support. And as a result, we're trying to plan the con that's going to fit uh, everybody and and be the biggest success possible. So we appreciate y'all's patience, but we'll have some more info this week and in the coming weeks. Uh, so stay tuned. Yeah, and if you want to talk about RootCon, come over to the Discord and join the RootCon channel. I just posted... We'll post some of that information there as well. And we'll also just be talking about uh, traveling to Portland in general. <laughs> uh, and uh, folks are already talking about booking flights and stuff. So there's a lot of planning going on for not only all of us, but also all of you. So you can join the conversation there. And I will say, if you are trying to check out that Washington version of Stonehenge, you're going to want to do that on an off day. Yeah, uh, because it is kind of a drive. You're not going to want to take up your con time going to see a concrete stone is there a star in it for them if they take a picture with a root meeple in i don't want to encourage this washington no, okay, Stonehenge. Good, i've never been i'm not putting my <laughs> reputation on the line for this what a colossal waste of time <laughs> but bonsai will fly in and do it <laughs> all right uh should we talk about some landmarks no we've got a tournament recap dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I don't know what that one was. All right, it's the semifinals update. theme. It changes right. based on the level of the tournament. Yes, uh, this is the semifinal round. Uh, 16 players remain. Four will make it through to the finals. Uh, really, it has winnowed down quite a lot. Uh, you know, this this tournament started with hundreds of players and is now down to just 16. Uh, it's for down this to four. Round here. 
Uh, well, we'll get there. Oh, sorry, sorry. I see. <laughs> Spoilers. People <laughs> lost. <laughs> And actually, Sam, you mentioned this, but people are coming over to uh, the Cool Kids Losers Club uh, on our Discord, which is the place to go for commiserations and uh, sympathy if you happen to be um, eliminated from a root tournament. Yeah, several Um, of these players I saw come into the, you know, I haven't been able to watch the games and I was like, oh, I'll watch them later. And then people come into the losers bracket and they're like, can I be here? And I'm like, oh, you spoiled your game for me. (laughs) (laughs) Well, let's get into these games. So semifinal game one took place in the winter map. And this was a contest between the Eerie Dynasties, played by Cosmic Cant, the Warlord, piloted by Boo Human, the Harrier, which was JC, the formidable JC, and the Lizards, piloted by Aquaman Boss. Uh, so this this was kind of a crazy struggle, and I don't want to give too much away, but JC got just within a hair's breadth of Ooh. taking the whole game. And there was a bunch of, like, dice roll, like, chance circumstances happening. But in the end, the victory went to Aquaman Boss with the Lizards. Congratulations, Aquaman Boss. Wow. I mean, just looking at this matchup, I haven't seen the game yet. It's like Birds, Warlord, and Harrier. Those are some of the most aggressive (laughs) root factions. And then the Lizards come out on top of that is is surprising. I got to watch that one. Top tier root is like... All the expected things, they're just a cut above, and so it just goes out the window, and things just get weird. Yeah. I love yeah. it. Yeah. I live yeah. for it. I think it's so good. <laughs> uh, but yeah, these these are incredibly talented players. Um, definitely worth checking out. Which means Aquaman Boss returning to the Winter Tournament final. Yes, this is the big news. And famously, last year's Winter Tournament, uh, there was a, a bit of a snafu, which kind of prevented Aquaman boss from being crowned the root champion of that tournament. Yeah. 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 Obviously everyone, you know, both people probably deserve to win the game, but yeah, there's, uh, yeah, it's great to see Aquaman boss with another shot in the final. Absolutely. And just, just a a great human being. All right. Semifinals (laughs) game. Number two took place on the lake map. This one had the vagrant vagabond, uh, piloted by Bernie. The Corvids by Over the Morrow, The Woodland Alliance by Switch, and The Badgers by Evelyn. Evelyn, uh, who's been on kind of a Badgers streak recently. Very Mm. formidable player. Uh, But this one was a shocking Corvids victory. Congratulations, Over the Morrow. Your dark arts paid off, and you are through to the final game. Wow. Wow. Big win there. Once again, you know, when, when you get top tier players together at the table, weird stuff happens. <laughs> we got a Lizards. We got a Corvids. I'm loving yeah. this. Earning their way to the final. Semifinals game number three was on the Autumn map. This one had the Warlord uh, by Jam Man. We had the Cats by Douglas MacArthur. <laughs> we, had, <laughs> we had the Eerie by Elivaris. And the Otters by the one, the only, Glandor Hooverstein. Yeah. Glandor. All right. I mean, this was a red faction, you know, fiesta. <laughs> and yeah. uh, the Otters got to play an insurgent faction on the Autumn map, where we know that they do pretty well. And the game did indeed go to Glandor Hooverstein. Wow. Yeah. Congrats, wow. Glandor. So far. Amazing. I mean, all these games are stacked, especially at the semifinals point. But, I mean... 
looking ahead at this final already with these three players, it's like, whoa. Yeah, this is going to be one you should not miss. Uh, right, and then our last semifinal game, game four, was on the lake map. We had Root Maneuvas with the Warlord, Magic Zamboni with the Harrier Vagabond, we had Gregula with the Woodland Alliance, and Cryo with the Badgers. Woo, Cryo! <laughs> this one was a, a little more balanced than game three, right? We had Warlord and Badgers as kind of our red factions. Mm-hmm. And then the Harrier, which is quite aggressive. Uh, but then the Woodland Alliance as well. So uh, overall, fairly balanced. Uh, and on the lake map, you know, kind of everyone has a shot. Especially, you know, with the kind of chaos of the ferry and uh, with the intergalactic clearings. I mean, it's it's a uh, tough opening for the Vagabond. But anyone can do well in this map. But this one went to Root Maneuvers with the Warlord. So congrats, Root Maneuvers. Nice. So there we are. Our finalists are Aquaman Boss over the morrow. Glandor Hooverstein and Root Maneuvas. Wow. Look forward to their uh, absolutely epic final match. Do we know when that's happening? I don't know if a date has been announced. Yes, I, if there is a date, I'll put it in here. Future Jake will get it. Hey, friends, Future Jake here. Garrett got back to me and told me the finals for the winter tournament is going to happen on Sunday, May 28th. At 1100 UTC, that's 7 a.m. Eastern Daylight Time, 4 a.m. Pacific Time. So for you fellow Pacific uh, folks, make some coffee. All right, back to the show. So there we go. That's the tournament news. I mean, the winter tournament is coming to an end just in time for summer to begin. (laughs) (laughs) There's two seasons in route, okay? There's (laughs) summer and there's winter. (laughs) Despite that there there is an autumn map, we we don't talk about that. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to bring us to today's feature topic. Welcome to Woodland War Machine. Uh, all right. So, Jake, just we're talking about the landmarks. I thought it'd be good to kind of go over the general landmark setup and the landmark rules briefly oh, before good we idea. get into the specifics. So, yeah, yeah. if you wouldn't mind. You have the cards pulled up here, but this is the same as what's in the law, I assume. I think so. The landmark is 16.5, which is general rules. Uh, Part one is safety. Aw, safety. Landmarks cannot be battled, moved, or removed unless noted explicitly by a landmark. And then part two, ownership. Landmarks are not owned by any faction and are not enemy pieces. All right, but then let's talk about setup. After choosing your map and deck, choose as a group if you're playing with one or two landmarks and then remove any landmark cards Landmark cards you do not want to play with. Shuffle the chosen landmark cards and deal out the chosen number. Collect the landmark pieces shown on the dealt landmark cards. The last player in turn order sets up one drawn landmark as described on its card. If you choose to play with two landmarks, the second to last player in turn order sets up the other drawn landmark as described on its card. Yeah, okay. So pretty loosey-goosey here for the setup rules. Even in advanced setup, they're like, you know, choose one or two. And if you don't like a couple of them, you don't have to play with those. (laughs) You know, like, (laughs) yeah, I I kind of wish advanced setup had a little bit more like this is how it goes. Because I feel like it kind of feels a little bit more like casual setup to be like, I mean, we're not doing the treetop, right? Let's just exclude that one, and then you shuffle them up, and then you... It's the first loosey-goosey real rule we have in Root of just like, you don't like it? You don't have to. Yeah, and, uh, you know, the earlier parts in advanced setup, it's like, as a group, choose a map. As a group, choose a deck. 
And I don't know. I kind of wanted it to be more definitive, but... I kind of like that it has... It's one of the only things with, like, a real veto, right? Of, yeah. like, choose the ones you don't want to play with and remove them. Yeah, so it's you like, don't get to do that with the factions or the maps. Yeah. Or 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 the standard deck, but I feel usually, like some people... I feel like they're giving this as, like, a... Some people really don't want the tower in the draft pool. They don't want to accelerate the game yeah. more or something like that. Right. Or the fairy, if they're like, we, we kind of want the otters to have that or something. I don't know what the arguments might be but yeah. the point is is like it's the only thing with a real veto that i can think of yeah yeah that's true um obviously when the rules are this cash we're not really looking here to like game them you know this does feel like these rules are meant to make sure everyone has a good and equal playing experience so i'm not too concerned with the way this is worded about like what are we going to do to strategize around this mm-hmm. um i think that in future competitions or whatever we might see this change you know uh, just for like tournament rules you know to have like a definitive way to pick a map deck and the way landmarks work but for now i think i think this is fine yeah i mean the only consideration tournament wise i think would be that the last player in turn order both gets to set up the first landmark and choose their faction and set up their faction if we're using ad set so in that way, I guess you could kind of game it a little bit, like give yourself a favorable setup with the first landmark. Yeah. But I mean, th- yeah, there's maybe some kind of tweaking to do around that because maybe that could give one player like a pretty strong advantage. But I don't know. I, I think they're, yeah, their disadvantage is going last. And yeah, they right. get to play a faction. They get the best choice of faction. But none of the landmarks to me are like super game breaking. I think the tower could be... Like, if you put the tower in a corner and you put a bunch of meeples there, that might be a problem. Like, right, because it's the first, the, sorry, the last player in turn order. She's also the first to draft and thus the first to set up. Right. Yeah. Right. So they can kind of corner the market, literally. Yeah. But, I mean, yeah. you are inviting that heat, you know? If yeah. you put the Lost City right where you are, if you put the tower right where you are, it might just invite the early heat. Specifically in that type of situation, it would kind of influence people's faction pick, right? Like someone probably would feel less comfortable picking like the Alliance or something, mm-hmm. knowing that they were going to be giving away a bunch of free points on turn one and on the first or opening turns to whoever, whatever faction controls that. Right. So it, it may skew like towards a red game in that sense. So yeah, I mean, maybe there's some argument to be had for uh pick first, and set up landmark like is that too much power? Not sure. <laughs> yeah, landmarks can't be battled, and they're not owned by people. I don't think there's really anything here. No, they're a part of the forest. They yeah. pre-exist this factional struggle. What they really do is they simply add a rule to a clearing. Honestly, there's no other interaction with the factions beyond that. I feel. Right. All right, so the uh, landmarks we are talking about today are the Black Market, the Elder Treetop, the Fairy, the Legendary Forge, and the Tower. All right? Yes. But folks, I think we should be looking at this as, you know, these are destinations in the woodland that we might want to visit as a faction, you know? And so us here at Woodland War Machine, we've been to these landmarks, okay? Just like the Washington Stonehenge... And the weird um, cave people that Kyle lived next to. (laughs) We've been to all these places, okay? And so we want to give you our honest reviews 
of them. To be clear, I've only driven by the Elder T top. I did not stop. No, that's fair. Um, you <laughs> okay. you get it. You get it. You get it. From you get it. It's by. huge. Yeah, yeah. yeah it's, it's impressive. Uh, yeah, sure. All right. There's a uh, citadel on top of that thing. It's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, first, let's talk about the black market. Jake? The black market. During setup, place the black market landmark in a clearing that has exactly one building slot and no ruin. It cannot have a landmark or be adjacent to one. And I believe that means it can't be in a clearing that has a landmark or adjacent to a clearing with a landmark. Yeah, whose nearest Draw- enemy landmark is... <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Just making this whole setup problem worse. Draw three cards. Okay, then draw three cards, but do not look at them. Place them face down next to the black market card. Ooh, mystery. Then the ability for the black market is once on their turn, a player with faction pieces at the black market may swap any one face down card next to the black market with a card from their hand, placing it face down. Now, it says you're just going to draw these cards and put them face down next to the black market. I assume you're going to put them in like a row because you don't put them in a stack because you have to be able to differentiate between them. So yes. it's not like a draw deck, right? Yeah. Kind of um, a three-card Monty layout. Yeah. Right, but uh, you want to watch in the game where cards go because if you put one down you can remember what that card is and if someone picks it up or if it's there for you on a later turn its placement should not have moved because no one else should be touching the cards otherwise right they don't get shuffled there's no other manipulation of them other than just placing them near near the black market right right Right. so this adds a memory component to root that previously really didn't exist other than i guess lizards and moles revealing cards from their hand and code breakers Oh, you're right. Code breakers. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Good call. Mm-hmm. And also uh, just revenge for people that table talked earlier. Oh, yeah. But that's not yeah. hard to remember. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay, fair. So, yeah, this is just like a fun way to add some variety to your hand. You know, you can take a chance or maybe use it as long term storage. <laughs> you know, kind of a risky move, really. Oh, I um, see. You want to swap out a card and take a valuable card from your hand and just sort of sneak it into the black market and hope that you can grab it later <laughs> yeah yeah i think it's asking a lot yeah uh, though i would say right well if i'm player a and i swap the left of the three cards and then right. i'm player b all of a sudden why would i choose that one because they most likely don't you know they most likely ditched their junk there this is a good opportunity for a little bit of a drama of like, well, thank God I'm getting rid of this kind of situation. <laughs> yeah. Right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Maybe not literally that specific, but just we're like, Oof. oh, my gosh, <laughs> the worst card in the game. And then I just put it down. Well, I don't need this bird ambush. <laughs> Wait, I <no>. mean, <laughs> soup kitchens. Too obvious. Too obvious. <laughs> the fascinating thing here is that you don't get to examine the three cards in any way. You just get to pick one and then put something else back. So, right. So if you're like looking, to, oh, go ahead. To me, this it's kind of funny because I feel like if you're going to a black market, usually you have something very specifically illegal in mind <laughs> that you want to find, and this black market is just like, just get something and get the hell out of here. <laughs> yeah, it's more of a flea market than a black market. <laughs> yeah. Here's my money. Give me a package. I've got to get out. <laughs> yeah. All right. So let's talk about some things to do while you're visiting the black market. Um. So one of the things you can do is you can craft a swap meet beforehand to give you extra swaps, essentially. Because the wording on Black Market is once on their turn, um, I believe you could do that. Well, what is swap meet? Swap meet at the beginning of Birdsong? I think it is. 
Once in Birdsong. All right, you can do it anytime you want. So you can, in any order, you can swap a card from the black market or take a card from another player's hand and then choose any card from your hand, including the one they just gave you, to give back to them. Okay? So you can use this in a couple fun ways. You can swap somebody's card and then, without them knowing it, bury it in the black market. Who knows if that's a good idea, but kind of fun. Um, or you can uh, take something from the black market. If it's junk, swap me with another player and give them the junk you just got from the black market. Yeah, I feel like this is the real use case. Is yeah. Cycling something into an opponent's hand uh, to kind of like you know reduce their card wealth. <laughs> yeah. And you get to pick the best of all the cards you see. I mean, being able to cycle two cards every turn is very, very, very strong in Root. Especially for factions that really care about it. Lizards, moles, birds. Uh, that that could be really big. The, the one potential drawback for Black Market. The swap meet, you have some control, right? You see a random card. You have the whole menu of cards in front of you to select from to send back. Yeah. Now, you still have the menu right so you, let me make sure i understand this you're swapping out any one face down card with your own face down card you must have your card first so you must have a card in your hand wow <laughs> yeah here's the tricky part I, I feel like i got a little bit stumped here so do you get to like take the black market card into your hand yes. examine the whole thing and then put back the most optimal card no no, no. you may swap one face down card next to the black market with a card oh So it's a little bit of a gamble in a sense, right? You're like trading away something to just kind of see what you get. Yes. The tricky part here is swap is a keyword that means something. Right. And then the card named swap meet does not involve swap as a keyword. Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we should swap being switched locations of two prompted pieces. Yeah. So that, that happens at the same time. Um, the only other use of swap, I believe, is with the Corvid plots, with trick. Trick, right. Yeah. Oh, that's so fascinating. So there's an element of risk here. Yeah. If you have five pretty decent cards, you might be downgrading by using black market. <laughs> yeah. yeah. One Especially never as know. the game goes on, that black market is just junk. <laughs> <laughs> but as we all know in Root, what's junk for one faction might be good for another, like Correct. bird cards with lizards or... It's also, yeah, I mean, it's also junk as far as the ability, maybe. It's also another suit, which yes. is very dependent on a lot of factions. Right. I mean, uh, you know, Corvids usually have a good, like, uh, hand of cards, but sometimes they might choose to exert several turns in a row and then be like, oh, no, I really wish I could recruit in a certain clearing so I could pull off, like, a double plot or something. And those swaps will really save you. Yeah, um, it very much could. Yeah. Well, it's roughly a one in three chance you get what you want, right? Uh, yes. If you're looking for a suit, as roughly? the Corvids, it's a, it's basically 50-50, right? Because you either get the suit you're looking for or a bird. Yeah. yeah, it is 50-50. You're right. There's one extra fox card. This is something that... Right. Uh, yeah. Who knows? Thanks, Cole. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we should have asked Josh, why is there an extra fox card? Um. Okay. Some of that extra uh, building slot. <laughs> uh, also, something to keep in mind, if the otters are in the game and the otters are taking use of the black market, then that card from the black market becomes public information. Right. And you can mm. see the card there we go. that they are using to swap. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, 
all of a sudden with the you know the, the war the profiteers game? when you get the war profiteers in the game all of a sudden uh the black market becomes a little bit more transparent it's also a huge like table talk dynamic for the otters right so they can take something off of their own market and slide it in there but also someone in that clearing could go get it for free so you could like be like well you don't have to buy from me i guess if there was a table talk method where you want it want it because they're like they're too resistant to buy from you, but you still want to work with them in some way. You could do a transaction where you're like, well, and I'll give it to you for free by putting it in the black market where you can get it next turn. Yeah, here's a, here's an edge case. They don't have um, the warriors pieces in a clearing uh, with a trade post. And so you're trying to sell them two cards. You price it accordingly, and they buy the one card and get it from black market. Now, that is shenanigans. <laughs> and they probably would have to be the next person in turn order otherwise somebody's gonna have fun messing that deal up but right um yeah you know you can it makes sense that the otters can pull some extra shenanigans shenanigans with the black market. Yeah, they've yeah. earned it all right so is this clearing with the black market worth visiting definitely especially early in the game i mean but is it worth like a pilgrimage you know like if you're not near it are you going over there it's only one piece. Like, I mean, yeah, if you're not near it, maybe it's not worth a pilgrimage, especially if you're right. If badgers you're crows in on a mission. or lizards and can just plop one down, no problem, then yeah, sure. probably. Sure. But if you're badgers and it's over there, I mean, I guess you got to go over there anyway, but you're not right, going over there Right, but getting there is the going to be a chore. Yeah, yeah, badgers, no. But, like, I think they're one of the few exceptions because they... <laughs> they're a slow migratory yeah. <laughs> faction yeah but i mean everybody else almost i mean the birds it's kind of a circumstantial placement right yeah but most are are definitely valued from just yeah. putting moles one mole like there from just the flat out they do that for swaying anyway yeah just putting moles in remote places and then it's worth it to just have that option all right so maybe we're planning a visit you know but are we gonna mm -hmm. like stay there is this a place where we're gonna take time off of work to like really like get to learn how those people live at the black market i mean i think it's worth at least staying for a few rounds um to try and you know see what the wares are like if you're only there for one round you only get to see one card you know uh things are always changing at the black market so uh, yeah i think it's <laughs> worth sticking around for at least a little while yeah but i feel like things are always getting worse at the black market you know <laughs> like it's like you know now this neighborhood's, you know, way too cool and there's just junk for sale and, you, you know, it's not what it used to be, I'll tell you. Yeah, that's fair enough. It's it's definitely lost its edge uh, a few rounds into the game. That being said, as we said before, one faction's trash is another faction's treasure. Mm -hmm. Perhaps the cards that are winding up there could be to your benefit. Uh, and, you know, I, I think especially the factions that love to have specific types of cards such yeah. as lizards and moles would definitely benefit from a sustained presence there. Mm -hmm. In fact, if the moles are present in the black market, I think that's like a pretty big priority for like taking out a solo mole. Mm -hmm. uh, get, get them out of that clearing, right? They want to cycle those bird cards. Yeah. All right. Um, so who is black market great for? Root. What? <laughs> I wrote all factions in root because I mean not truly that everybody needs cards but this is really just great as an asset don't you think yeah yeah like you have the option like warlord I guess doesn't really 
need it and it doesn't necessarily need the pieces in the clearing because they're not getting oppression there. I'd say this is that's the one faction that's just like, eh. But everybody else values from leaving one fella in there, I feel. You think you think that it's harder to oppress because m- more people will want to be in the black market. Unquest- yes, absolutely. Yeah. It's an attractive clearing beyond just being a clearing. So yeah. it's just a fight, you know? And the funny thing with the Warlord, too, is that they often have, like, one card in hand. Right. And then they lose that card right. for whatever reason. Right. To, to take and, a gamble on that. Yeah. It's like you need a card to swap in order to, like, do the black market's ability. And it, it just if they already have the right card, yes. the only card in their hand, it's maybe too precious to yeah. wager away. Yeah. Yeah. Also, we haven't kind of gotten into this. The way you can hide things in the black market to avoid partisans and specifically outrage. I think this is a really good use, right? I have a fox card in my hand. Uh, the rest of my hand is not fox or bird. And I walk into a fox clearing that has a sympathy token in it. I'm going to end up paying that specific supporter to the Woodland Alliance. Whereas if I swap and I get lucky and it's not a bird or a fox, then I then they're going to have to top deck something. Hopefully that doesn't work out as well. Right. 50-50 shot. You get to keep your hand. Yeah. Uh, so who's it great for? Yeah, we said the the card lovers, you know, lizards, moles, otters, birds. I mean, lizards especially can just drop someone in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like so convenient for the lizards. Same with moles in, to an extent, depending on their situation. Yeah. So those two should absolutely be going for it because they want that flexibility. Yeah. And one kind of like uh, to kind of go along with the loosey-goosey sort of theme of the landmarks, kind of a looser feel, uh, <laughs> you can activate the black market basically at any point during your turn before you end your turn. So if your faction cares about doing things in Birdsong, uh, you can swap a card in Birdsong. If your faction is, you know, caring about things in Evening, you can swap cards in Evening. Uh, This may impact factions like the Eerie Dynasties who have to place cards into their decree during a step in Birdsong. If you are going to be locked into a terrible, fragile decree or have a terrible turn... Maybe it's worth it to swap out one of those cards and try and get lucky. Yeah, did we figure out if after you draw cards in evening, can you use the black market? You can. Let's let's get to the specifics of what a turn is. <laughs> so, <laughs> well, so like, as far this, as <laughs> landmarks are so loosey goosey. What <laughs> is a turn? <laughs> It's so true. Over 70 episodes. We're really getting down to it, friends. What is a turn? We are scraping the barrel, aren't we? From rule 1.4.1, turn Uh structure. Each player's turn has three phases, birdsong, daylight, and evening. Anything that says at start of a phase happens before the everything else in the phase, and anything that happens at the end happens after everything else in the phase, but before the start of the next, mm-hmm. if any. After any player ends evening, the next clockwise player begins their turn. Play continues until one player has won the game. So, essentially, the end of evening. Now, the landmarks say, in this case especially, once on their turn. So I believe you could resolve the effect of your last evening step and still be in evening to use a on your turn effect. For instance, if you were, let's say the birds, it says the last step in evening is draw and discard, draw one card plus one card per uncover a draw bonus. Then if you have more than five cards in your hand, discard cards of your choice until you have five. 
then technically there's no more steps, so your evening would resolve. But I believe you are allowed to, once in your turn, abilities, because it's any point in your turn. So I think you are allowed to, as far as we have interpreted. So you can draw cards in evening. Yes. And then before discarding down to five. Uh... In this example, no. No, because it says I draw think and discard. Yeah, that's the whole action is drawing and discard. So that's I one see. action. And in a lot of cases, it's draw and discard. So I right. think you might need to do that first. You complete that step, discard down to five. And then if you really are feeling it, switch, switch card out. You know? Oof. I'll tell you, gut check tells me this is wrong, but I can't argue it in any logical way. But gut check tells me that somebody's going to tell us this is wrong. You can, uh, well, I, I checked with Garrick Samples. I don't know if you guys have heard of him. And he did say, quote, you can use it after your last step of evening, but before the, quote, end of evening, end quote. Once you move to, quote, end of evening, end quote, only end of evening effects trigger or can be used, then your turn ends. So that's actually really helpful because you know how some cards say end of evening? Well, that would be after your draw and discard step. So there is like a little window in between those two things. I just, is there an end of evening window? Well, why would he say it if there weren't? <laughs> I don't know. You know, there might not be an end of evening at start of evening. Uh, at the start of evening. So, okay, rolling the hireling die and all that happens during the hireling step, right? Which is at the end of your turn. Okay. So that would technically kind of happen in a similar type of space, right? It would be after yeah. you draw cards and discard, discard down to five. Then the hireling step would happen. And then your yeah. turn would technically end. All right. I'll ask Josh. Because <laughs> this feels like a Josh question, right? Wow, I yeah. can't believe we ran into a Josh question on the first I feel one. Like one <laughs> I feel like you. it says once on their turn. It I doesn't know. Say once. I... He, oh, you actually came up with a good example before we recorded, which is that something says once in the evening before you draw. Oh, is it ex exposure. Exposure. Right, right, right. So that is like a specific counter example. Right. It's, Anytime but... on your turn before you draw cards in the evening. So this doesn't have that caveat, so it seems like you could. Let's not go down the rules rabbit hole for the sake of the listeners right now, okay. but future yeah, Jake yeah, yeah. can maybe address it if Josh gets back to him. And okay. if he doesn't, future Jake will let us know. All right. Great, great. Quick great, update great. from Garrick Samples. Uh, the end of evening step is the tower. Oh. Which oh, is from our well, own well, document. Spoiled, spoiled our thing here. Yeah, but that's okay. At the end of a player's evening. Yep, that is the thing with the window. Wow. So the tower is the one piece with at the end of player's evening, if they rule the tower's clearing, they score one point. So there is technically a window between whatever your last step is in evening and the tower resolving, I guess. Hey, friends, future Jake here. Josh did not get back to me in time, but I'm pretty sure we're right. Okay, back to the show. Okay, so overall, folks, when visiting the landmark, uh, the black market, I give this three and a half stars. What do you think? <laughs> wait, wait, what are we, what are we rating? It's like your stay there. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a travel destination. <laughs> How likely are you out to recommend a, it to a friend? Out of a possible five, I assume. Out of five, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My only complaint with it is that when I ordered takeout, I didn't get a menu. I just had to say, I'd like takeout, please, and then just a bag showed up at my hotel. So uh, the food could have been better. I would say 3.5 <laughs> stars seems appropriate. Yeah, yeah. I bit down thinking it was going to be rabbit. Turned out it was a mouse. 
<laughs> yeah, no, the the randomness of it is like an escape hatch, not necessarily something to plan for, isn't it? Like it doesn't feel proactive, it feels reactive a little bit. Yeah, well, it seems fishing. like there could be gems there at the beginning of the game. Like it might be worth seeing what's up at the market. But it, it's, it has to be worth discarding one of the cards in your hand. Yeah. So it has to be a, yeah. a devalued card. And in the beginning, Sam, you've already culled your hand from five if you're using ad set. So I, like in a good situation, you've already got three cards that you consider valuable. I do think that the timing is that those three cards go there before you draw cards, though. So those three cards are before... They're non-culled. Right, right. Uh-huh. So that could be interesting, right? Yeah. But is it interesting enough in a 60-card deck or however many cards there are? 50, 54. 54, thank you. Um, is it interesting enough? Uh, if you're next to it. <laughs> <laughs> or it's in interesting. it. Yeah. Sure. yeah, if you're walking right. distance from the market, I mean, you might as well stop by. All right, we've got another landmark here. We're talking about the Elder Treetop. Ooh. Jake... Not recommended for two-player games. The Why? Elder Treetop. <laughs> All right, I'm going to shut up. <laughs> I mean, it says that in italics at the top of this card, <laughs> but we'll get to it. Uh, during setup, place the Elder Treetop landmark in a corner clearing. It cannot have a landmark or be adjacent to a clearing with one. Then the Elder Treetop adds a building slot to its clearing. Nice. Whenever a Whenever a player removes an enemy building from the Elder Treetop slot, they score an extra point. Two in total, not one. So this incentivizes you to give your opponents more points. No. <laughs> it incentivizes you to hold the clearing with it and only use that building slot if you absolutely have to. But why would I want to even, like... Be here? Is it because I need more buildings in one clearing? Is that right? Yeah, I mean, I think like lizards or I mean, lizards don't need it unless it's a single slot clearing. I suppose like lizards or cats. Cats. Hmm. Cat. <laughs> I mean, this is okay for cats. This feels pretty good for cats. It makes some sense for cats. Yeah, it doesn't make sense for many others. Like moles, it makes some sense for right. It's like you're gonna have a tall clearing. Yeah. So the good. tallest tree in the forest really helps. Like if you're gonna if you're gonna barricade up, you might as well get another building slot out of it. Right. And those those factions both benefit from more buildings of type. Yeah, I think that's a good shout with moles because you can sway your duchess or your whatever, uh, and be able to fulfill get all three points for having all three buildings on the board in one right. clearing, provided right. the corner clearing had two slots to begin with. But be pretty good. Why is this not recommended for two-player games? Why is it not recommended for two-player games? Like, do we think that the extra building slot really shifts the balance in a two-player game? If so, then why is the mountain map not recommended for two-player games? I almost wonder <laughs> if it's not recommended because it's so useless. <laughs> no, I'm serious. Like, wh like, what's the point of it in a two-player game? Like, I okay, guess, if, yeah, if there's, there's a cat's player, they get a huge benefit. If it's a right. if it's a birds player, there is no difference. Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah. In a four player or five player game, it's a dynamic. In a two player game, someone gets it. Period. Like unless yeah. and they're going to probably protect it more to prevent their opponent, their one opponent, from getting those points. In my experience, somebody just has this the whole game, no matter how many players there are. Um, so things to do when you're visiting this lovely treetop. Um, first of all, the piece is cool looking. 
I like the big green thing. I love the idea of adding building slots to clearings. <laughs> I, I have longed wanted this in a game Why? of root. I just think it's interesting, right? We have this limitation on building slots and you can really make a map seem different by yeah. configuring where the building slots are on a map. If you're playing a game with no Vagabond or Warlord, for example, four building slots are totally covered in ruins for the entire game. Right. Uh, I guess if you if there's a particular hireling in play, then you could maybe get around to that. But the Elder Treetop is one way to kind of open up the board uh, if those factions happen to be absent from the mix. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I love that our like best things to talk about are like, well, the piece is cool. The piece is pretty cool. <laughs> and I've and always I like, dreamed of like this could happen. For me, and I'm sure our listeners have heard this, but like... For me, what really holds it back is that it has to be in a corner clearing. Right. I hate that. So you mean because it's less accessible is what you're saying? Yeah, it means that one player gets it and then they don't want to use it right. because what's the unless they have to. Right. Um, I mean, would it be used more in the center? Probably not because it's more dangerous, but I don't know. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's a weird drawback. Yeah. To like score an extra point thing. I will say, though, the Elder Tree Top has a great juice bar. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Strong, strong drinks there. It's definitely uh, worth a visit. Uh, yeah. Uh, actually, let's talk about it. Is it worth visiting? <laughs> no. The answer's kind of no, right? No, like you don't need to go there. Oh, no. yeah. Only to, just to, to destroy stuff. Yeah. I mean, yeah, if might... something's vulnerable, but that's that's the reason you're visiting. It's not because it's in a tree. I mean, I guess it's because it's for the extra point, but like if something's vulnerable, that's why you're going. It kind of, you kind of want it to be like when you place a building there, you score an extra point. There you go. Now that's, now that's an option. It's like a hot potato where like everyone wants to build on it to get an extra point. Yeah. I would love to, for it to be more of like a lantern for all the fireflies to go towards. Yeah. That's a much better implementation of it. Yeah. Okay. But that's not what we're discussing. We're not talking about house rules. Okay. That's episode 124. Um, okay. So, so never is it getting worth, made? What? <laughs> Nothing. Is it worth staying, you know? to Like overnight? To, yeah. Yeah, to like, for a little vacation. Well, first question is, why did you come here? <laughs> I mean, I assume it's because you're playing you with to. one landmark <laughs> and your last player, or you're playing with two landmarks and your second to last player. Look, it's not, it's not really worth, like, if you're staying there... You're staying there to potentially attack what's there, or I guess to build there, but why would you build there? Like, is there a benefit to building in the clearing in the non-Elder Treetop slot, hoping someone else does, therefore it's more attractive to the... I mean, no, what's more attractive it, is what is less protected by warriors, right? Yeah, I don't think it's worth trying to like trap someone into yeah. building there and getting one extra point from yeah, coming right. there. It's not. But I could see the world where it makes a difference when it comes to crafting, right? Okay, yeah. If it's in a single slot clearing, and I'm the Badgers, and I have already encamped in the one thing, and on a future turn, I can craft coins because it's a rabbit-suited clearing or something, you know, I, I think there there are ways to make it work for you, reasons to build there. And the exchange of one extra point to your opponent is not so dangerous or detrimental that it's totally fine. Um, but very few factions can build multiple times in the same clearing, right? We got cats. We got lizards. 
moles, badgers, and badgers. rats. Right. Yeah. So only half of them can even really take advantage of this. So is it worth staying? I mean, yeah, if you're already there. Yeah, like, I guess. I mean, is it really even worth staying? <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. I, mean, I would say I no. Yeah, no. <laughs> the thing is, is, like, as soon as you get a room at the, like, little hotel there, it's like people get paid 100 bucks to kick you out of your room. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? It's just, it's rough. I would just rather, like, sleep in a tent on the side of the road than, this, you know, near an adjacent clearing. At least it's right. yours, yeah. <laughs> okay, so... Things that the elder treetop is great for is uh, like cats, maybe, and like maybe rats, because rats, you know, they're not planning on losing it. I think it's oh, maybe multiple strongholds in one clearing to like yeah. crank up the rat production. Yeah, that's a cool yeah. call. It's in a corner, unfortunately, but you know, I feel like the no, moles I, I, definitely. You why do, you said no to lizards? Why lizards? Uh, lizards need two slot clearings. Um, so this could be an extra one of those. You, you're trying not to incentivize people coming in and killing those as much as you can. But again, I don't think that the extra point is that big of a deal. It right, could, it's not. It could you work don't mind lizards, the killing but... if it gives you the acolytes? Yeah, that never works out. <laughs> <laughs> Just trying to think it out. I mean, I know you don't need... T I know you need two to make the two-point threshold and the card draw, right? But if you've managed to get two clearings of the same suit and you stretch into that three-point threshold, do... Oh, I almost never go tall, I know. lizards. No, but... I know. Well, no, very few people do, but we're, yeah. like, it, we're trying to talk about what makes the Elder Treetop worth it, and tall is an option. Yeah, uh, does Elder Treetop unlock tall lizards? That's what I'm asking. You could have two clearings. They're the same suit. You get a three-slaughter and another three-slaughter. That's pretty good. Well, that's five. Like, you need five. Is it five total on the lizard board, right? I forget. I think it is. So five total on the lizard, because there's 15, there's 15 gardens. So five on there unlocks the four-point slot. That's that's just a two and a three. Right. It doesn't necessarily unlock the lizards tall, but it, I would say, makes it more viable. Yeah. Yeah, I guess if you get a very favorable suit distribution and those clearings are either adjacent or somehow very kind of isolated, then I would consider it for sure. Yeah. It's I kind of a weird strategy, but I think it could totally work. I think like I think it's probably better when the suit distribution is very bad, right? If all four fox clearings have one slot, then you're not going to be able to do the thing where you get a double fox clearing, right? But if one of them has the elder treetop, then I guess you've created another one. Sure. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so the, yeah, this this could give some more flexibility to the lizards. I think that's that's kind of a nice feature. Yeah. Finally, a, a piece in the game that is just a pure lizard buff. <laughs> <laughs> um, we have some frequently asked questions about this location. Um, mainly why? <laughs> <laughs> is this like widely um, considered a like doofy? landmark by the fandom i came out pretty hot i forget when it was where i was like that i don't think this is very fun um and i know that a lot of people share that opinion it just doesn't add anything it's just like the extra point no one's thirsting for giving someone else an extra point by building there i i did pitch if this thing worked the exact opposite it would be better which is it can't be in a corner and when you build there you gain a point <laughs> That feels just I, inherently better, but yeah. I don't know. 
Well, I'd have to test that. I've never tested that. So I feel like after the tower, they wanted to limit it. They wanted to limit giving points. Oh yeah, that's my, that's my theory. Yeah, I could see that. The yeah. prosperous sapling. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, moving on to oh one star. One star for this one. <laughs> we couldn't leave zero stars, so we left one star. <laughs> All right. Uh, our next uh, landmark is one we might be a little familiar with. This one's called the fairy. Jake. <laughs> During setup, place the fairy landmark in a clearing on the river. Parentheses on the lake map, place it in the coastal clearing. It cannot have a landmark or be adjacent to one. The fairy is found on the Underworld expansion for use on the lake map. You may play the lake map without the fairy. That's that's a new ruling on this card as well. Then, once per turn, a player taking a move from the fairy's clearing can move to an adjacent clearing along the river, moving the fairy as well. This follows normal movement rules. On the lake map, the fairy can move to another coastal clearing. After taking this move, that player draws one card. Big deal. Yeah, It's card draw, baby. It's, it's on any map now. Yeah. Which is less dynamic than the lake map because it treats all rivers as paths, essentially. I can't teleport to any river clearing I want using the ferry. I have to go to the next adjacent one via the river. Truth. But some things to do when you're in a clearing uh, with the ferry is it really unlocks movement. And you get to draw cards in the middle of your turn. Another fun use is to uh, craft. I mean, that, let's let's not underplay that. Yeah, you get to draw cards. <laughs> that's that's huge. Middle. That's I, I think that's the biggest reason. The movement is amazing, but like the card draw is huge for most people. That's that's the biggest attraction. When you say yes, yeah. it's two gigantic benefits. Yeah, I love the movement flexibility, and I love drawing cards. And it's once per turn. Only once per turn you can use this. You can't like run back and forth. If you have like Brigadier or something. But it's once per turn when taking a move. So it's when your faction can take a move. And depending when that occurs, that's when you'll acquire the card for usage with other combos, depending on your faction, right? Absolutely. A combo that I've seen used a lot, or at least rather frequently, is League of Adventurous Mice. If you Mm -hmm. craft an item, you can exhaust that item to take a move or initiate a battle. And so during a turn, if you're like, ah, man, I, I really need to build in this clearing and I need to reveal a card, but I don't have the right hand for that. Suddenly now you have an opportunity to just draw a card and hope for the best. I mean, this, the fairy has been a key component to, uh, several winning turns that I've played on the lake map. (laughs) Um, I I had one game that I won with moles where on the final turn, I was able to cross the lake on the fairy, draw an extra card, in order to get to a clearing where I could battle some cardboard. I'm just like, the fairy made this possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's so good. Um, yeah, lots of fun uses. On top of unlocking the movement, you get to draw the card. That can be so efficient. A card like, you know, Eerie Emigre. All mm-hmm. of a sudden, you have a free movement at the beginning of Birdsong, which draws you a card, and then you do a battle. Like... You get to move a battle and a card at the start of each turn. I is mean, so like a, a crusade suddenly becomes like kind of attractive, you know? Yeah, I've thought about like I was like, is this good for lizards? Because it capitalizes off movement. I'm like, it might be worth spending the acolytes to draw the card. Yeah, if you've just been hit, uh, and yeah, you know, fear of the faithful. Yeah, you've got some acolytes, and you got 
you know, very few gardens and your hand has been like called. Mm-hmm. This is a good way to restore one of those cards. Try and get yourself back on your feet. Mm-hmm. Get some gardens planted. You just have to make sure that the outcast suit is also where the fair is. (laughs) (laughs) And lizards have it tough. Uh, Every time we're like, here we go, lizards. (laughs) (laughs) We can also craft boat builders as any faction to kind of chase the ferry around. This works especially well on the lake map, but oftentimes people try to control the ferry. Yes, it's a, a big tempo move, I would say. Yeah. Uh, spoiler alert, should we stay here? Yeah, if we can control where the fairy is, then we get a free card every turn, and over the course of six or seven turns, that is huge. Oh, it makes a huge difference. Why do you think staying there controls where the fairy is, though? Well, just always being where the fairy is. Like, taking it from one clearing and, like, having a bunch of dudes and moving them to a spot that's harder for other people to get to. Obviously, it can be taken from you. Yeah. That's Which is I'm why saying. boat builders is where it is, so that we can immediately just chase it one one path back. Right, right. But you being um, there doesn't prevent them from getting it. Like I guess like, it, you ruling the clearing might prevent them from leaving right. the clearing, depending on that. Right? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For most, I mean, obviously, vagabond and crows, they can just take it. Yep. But uh, all other factions, you can stack up a big stack, and then it's going to be hard to move the ferry unless they craft corvid planners, I suppose. On the lake map, because you can travel between any two coastal clearings, there's a little bit of kind of, you can get like a circle going or kind Mm -hmm. of crisscross back and forth. Mm -hmm. Uh, It sort of just like pings around those four clearings. But when the river is linear, like on the mountain map or uh, on the autumn map, for example, I've I've only used the ferry a couple of times in those maps. And uh, one strategy that I've seen is a player will try and like kind of keep the fairy against the edge of the board as much yeah. as possible, kind of not let it drift towards the center where other players can kind of more easily grab it. But instead, they try and like hoard that card draw and kind of keep it uh, locked against one edge. Yeah, because because you can only use it once per turn for whatever reason, whether you're moving with it and drawing card, you can only use it once per turn. That fairy, if if somebody takes it, you can spend your turn getting it back. And unless the table <laughs> collaborates to take the ferry, each person moving it one <laughs> clearing right. further, I've never seen it. Um, uh, me either, but that would be awesome. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you can't even get that many people to collaborate to like keep the game alive. Good luck <laughs> trying to get them to like, just rob the ferry. But um, anyway. Uh, so is the ferry clearing worth visiting, in y'all's opinion? Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah. Oftentimes, it's just one of those things like League of Adventurous Mice. Everybody knows it can be used, but it's just one extra step to calculate, and you can pull off kind of an unseen maneuver. Isn't it only yes. worth visiting if you can leave with it? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Okay, so like, it's not that you're visiting, is that you're using <laughs> yeah I mean, there's a difference the right you visit the ferry you go for a ride that's right what... well all the other landmarks are do the thing yeah. at that location this is contingent upon having a move from that location right yeah it's a good point so that like like visiting is like a, a confusing like <laughs> state right here because you're really not like you're you're immediately leaving <laughs> and the, the same is with with staying honestly is like I'm actually questioning whether it is worth quote unquote staying because you don't control it by ruling there. You might limit people's options, but people can 
take it away from you. So it's like, Absolutely. it's worth being around where it could be. It's like, it's worth being on the river more often. Jake, you make an absolutely great point. And an analog from life in New York is you can take the Staten Island ferry. Yes. And oftentimes you just ride that straight over to Staten Island. You get off the ferry, you turn right around and get right back on. <laughs> yeah. It's uh spoiler alert for anyone who's spoiler alert. For anyone who's visiting New York City, uh, don't take a, a tour to the Statue of Liberty unless you really, really want to. But you can get pretty close by just riding the free Staten Island Ferry. <laughs> this is Absolutely. the cheat code that New Yorkers know. Now, do you get to draw a card when riding the Staten Island Ferry? <laughs> no, uh, but you, you can, can drink. A tall boy. Yeah, you can drink a really <laughs> tall beer there, though. I mean, yeah, yeah on the tour boat, it's going to be like $22 for a beer or something, right? right? Like, yeah. That's pretty reasonable on the Staten Island You can ferry. drink on the public free ferry? Yes, yeah. yeah. You can't shoot a movie on it, though. <laughs> no, no, they get upset. Hey, do you have a filming permit? No. Okay. But that bottle of Jack Daniels is fine. <laughs> so, yeah, when we're talking about staying and visiting, it's a little different because this is the only landmark that moves. Um, but, yeah, when we're talking about staying, I think it's helpful to think about, like, controlling it. Taking it from one clearing your rule to another clearing your rule that hopefully no one's going to take it. But that's visiting. my point, though, is that you don't really control it. You rule, Ruling just limits the possibilities, but it doesn't eliminate the possibilities. Correct. You have to stay mobile. But you say controlling it. You don't control it. You simply are there where it is and hope no one else swoops. I feel like it always swoops out. Yeah. It's impossible to, like, firmly control the ferry. But it is possible to be nearby and access it efficiently. I I don't know what you call it when one person moves it every turn for the first five turns. (laughs) Well, that sounds like they pulled it off, yeah. But I'm just saying, like, don't be... Uh, don't fall under the illusion that you control it simply because you rule where it is. Because yes, you don't correct. control it, you right. simply rule where it is, and like that could change in a turn. Also, yeah. some people are nimble and don't care. <laughs> like exactly, yeah. This yeah. does the ferry does follow normal movement rules, so you need, you need to rule the clearing you're moving to or from in order to travel using the ferry. So there could be a situation where ruling the clearing where the ferry currently is means that certain opponents can't move out of that clearing. With the fairy, right? I guess snare snare would be nice with it, right? Ooh. Yeah, you could definitely there, snare. There, that's the fairy. controlling the, the fairy. <laughs> snare. No one gets to ride. Yeah. <laughs> you just put it right on the on the gangplank. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, as Corvids, you move with it and then you trick to put the snare into the destination clearing. Yeah, the and fairy, honestly, right? you're nimble, so, so you can if it does get stolen from you somehow, you can go get it pretty easily. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So who's the fairy great for? Um, it's great for otters, birds, rats, badgers, cats, woodland alliance, vagabond, crows, moles. <laughs> and if you got the acolytes, it's good for lizards, too. Okay, so, okay. <laughs> um, that is everybody. It's a good Said, good said like a lizards player, yeah. Yeah. It's a great it's a it's a great landmark. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's my favorite outside the Lost City. I mean, the whole we're kind of ignoring the whole move along the river thing a little bit too, but like it's it's boat builders without having to craft it, and it's yeah. it's river guides. What's the? Yeah, if if we talk about um, it's interesting. So, uh, black market is similar to the card swap meet, a card that costs one crafter, but swap meet is better than the black market for two reasons. One is you get to look at the cards and you can give the same one right back, 
which is not what you can do with black market. And the second reason is you're taking it from an opponent. So, I mean, obviously you have to give them something, but if you get a good card and you hand them junk, I promise they think that that is bad for them. Yeah, for sure. Um, But then boat builders cost two crafters, and the fairy is much better than boat builders because you get to draw a card. But you are limited to where the fairy is, I suppose. That's huge. Yeah. It's just it's also unpredictable, as anybody who's played on the lake map knows, where it's gonna be when it comes around to your turn again is so rarely certain. to calculate. It's I so think ex- it's pretty easy. It's where Kyle's pieces are. Yeah. Kyle's no, I'm, obsessed I'm not with controlling the fairy. <laughs> I I just love taking the fairy. I think it's fun. <laughs> All right, we're giving the fairy four stars, folks. Would visit again. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, the scenery is lovely. Everyone loves a boat trip, right? <laughs> I would suggest bringing your own inner tubes if uh, <laughs> if you're gonna do that. It's uh, it's a good time. Yeah, I'm surprised it's not the white water on the autumn map though. <laughs> Some danger. Why isn't it higher? Like four point five or even five? Like this is this shit's, this is good. Is it because of its nebulous nature in terms of like pinning it down? Yeah, I feel like it. Uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just been my experience that like I've been locked out of the ferry more times than not. Right, but our rating is if you can get to it. I assume. Yeah, our rating is how good it is, and yeah, I mean, it's I guess good. It is it's a not five. good if you can't get to it. I, suppose. I guess sure. I'm like Lost City is a five, and it's on another level than all of the other ones. Sure, sure, that's true. And, but if you want to be like Lost City is a six, then I'd give this a five. <laughs> Lost City can't be a six. It's a scale of five. I know. That's what I'm saying. So, like, Lost City is in a tier of its own, I think, that's, which is why I give this a four. Got it. All right. All right. What about 4.5? I'm going to try and push us. I think it is 4.5 because, like, it's just what's small about it is it's your opportunity to get to it. But once you get to it, it's awesome. Yeah. All right. right? We got two more landmarks here. First, we got... The complicated one, Legendary Forge, Jake. Legendary Forge. During setup, place the Legendary Forge landmark in a clearing. It cannot have a landmark or be adjacent to one. Remove the items below from the item supply on the map based on the suit of the Legendary Forge's clearing. Then there are three different suits. For the fox suits, it's two swords, one crossbow, one hammer. For the mouse suit, it's two bags and two tees. For the rabbit suit, it's two boots and two coins. Then, to craft an item on this card, because that's where all of those four items would be, depending on which uh, f- depending on which suit the clearing is, you must have a faction piece at the Legendary Forge, and you still follow the normal crafting rules. Whenever you craft an item on this card, draw a card and score an extra point. Score it even if you have disdain or contempt for trade. Those God. are the uh, f- bird and rat faction contingencies i almost said abilities but they're problems uh, <laughs> uh respectively yeah uh okay so this is great yeah um no uh something to kind of keep in mind here is that you have to have a faction piece at the legendary forge it does not have to be a crafting piece but you do also have to have the card yes which yeah, is yeah, really yeah. kind of crucial which kind of makes this like so situational i feel yeah, yeah. Like, oh, um, if I've got the card, I guess I could go there and do the thing. Now, granted, if they have the card, they can't craft it otherwise, right? Because these are all mostly two. Like, if if it's if it's rabbit, all the boots are locked up there. You can't craft boots without going there, right? 
that technology has been lost to the forest. <laughs> How do we cobble? <laughs> My feet have so many thorns in them. <laughs> Please, somebody invent the shoe. <laughs> Um, yeah, I think this is really interesting. Um, I the way it kind of locks up things, and especially for like coins, uh, it, it just feels like oh, that's going to matter a lot because all of those coins are three points. So if somebody's going to the legendary forge and they have two rabbit crafters, it tells you something about it. Sure. Also, it's kind of interesting because again, you have to have a piece, a faction piece, at the legendary forge in order to craft. So some factions like the crows who craft first thing on their turn, that's going to be a little bit of a disadvantage because they might have to set up. Whereas like other factions that craft towards the end of their turn, like the Whittle and Alliance can spread to the legendary forge in order to craft the cards they need to craft. Yeah, this is very fascinating. There is definitely some gamesmanship in how you choose to set up the legendary forge. Do you place it in a central clearing or off to the side? Which suit do you place it in? Like, of these, Sam, do you have a sense of, like, which suit is the most kind of oppressive to start in? Is it is it fox or is it rabbit? It's hard. It's it, I mean, all of them have good options. And you have to make this choice before you see your hand of cards. Yeah. Because I would say, like, well, if you got the anvil, you put it in fox, you know? But you do see the flop of factions, right? No, that is a tournament rule. Mm, okay. You would set up the board and then you would deal out the... You'd get your hand of cards and then you'd deal out the factions. Oh, this is so fascinating. Like, would you choose Mouse just to, like, hamstring the Vagabond? That's This is the most Vagabond manipulative landmark, man. This is crazy what it does to the Vagabond, right? It can really limit their economy. Right. They'd have to actually go there with their little meeple in order to craft. Or or convince others to make sure it happens there, right? Or ensure that others can get there to do so. Yeah. I mean, everyone's pretty incentivized to do so. The Vagabond actually might ignore that clearing completely and not try and wipe anybody out so that the items would arrive. Mm -hmm. Kind of fascinating. Yeah. I can't tell which suit because it's like, yeah. I mean, Mouse is so wild because all of those t's are three points yes one crafter for three points that's very valuable (laughs) uh are they all the same amount no fox is the richest in points but highest Um, in cost and uh, no the same in cost okay but there's only one hammer card in the game right Ooh, interesting so yeah hammer becomes pretty scarce yeah difficult I love drawing the hammer card in Root. I'm like, great. No one can craft it out from under me. I will wait on it, and I will get it around to it when I get around to it. You know? Hello, hammer. Welcome to hand jail. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're you're for the end game. <laughs> like, um, yeah. But yeah, legendary forge so powerful to get the extra point and a card. And the extra card blows my mind. Yeah. yeah. What a cherry. What a okay. cherry on top. All right, so let's talk about some things to do while you're visiting the Legendary Forge. You can combine it with Master Engravers to score extra points. Oh my God. Okay, so horrible. we're talking about four-point coins, four-point swords, okay? Four-point tees. No, Gross. wait, five-point coins. Five-point coins. Five-point coins. That's a sixth of the game, one craft. <laughs> Okay, and you get to draw a card. Um, oh my so God. that's pretty wild. Um, 
Mole artisans, uh, meaning you just have to reveal the card. So, uh, so follow me here, okay? You got master engravers, okay? <laughs> You've got the mole artisans hireling, okay? You're at the legendary forge. You craft a coins for five points. You draw a card. You don't even discard the coins. You reveal it. And you can now have six cards in your hand at the end of your turn. Okay? That's bananas. And then you just do it again. Boom. That's a third of the game. <laughs> Yikes. You only have, you use the same card twice. Yeah, I mean, I mean, we're talking Magic Christmas Land there. But like the combos with the Legendary Forge can be for real. And they also come with card draw. That's amazing. Let's think about Master Engravers just for a second. Yeah. Um, so that card is a mouse crafting uh, cost. Yes. Right? So I think the best pair with that, because you'd need to get two mouse crafting power yeah. to begin with. Right. The best pair with that is if the Legendary Forge is on a mouse suited clearing. Right. Um, Master Engravers becomes even more kind of tempting, I would say. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, very frightening. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so is it worth visiting? I mean, yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I would argue it's almost necessary to visit. <laughs> Depending on to, the cards yeah. in your hand and what you need to do in the game, you might have to just send a lone warrior there just so you can craft the cards you need. I mean, if there's a vacancy, I can see a world where people are just battling away the warriors there to make it difficult. Yeah. Especially if you're a uh, a faction that reveals cards in their hand. Oh, yeah. And people know that you got it, you know? Or you're the otters and your hand or is always revealed. Say, for example, you're the Woodland Alliance. You play Sympathy in there. Now everyone's incentivized to get rid of it. That's a great yeah. way to, like, juice your supporters, you ooh, know? Ooh, and yeah. people are going to try and be moving in there. Like, it's, it's going to be a hot zone. Yeah. No vacancy. Yeah. <laughs> horrible play um do we is it worth staying at the clearing with the legendary forge wait it's no exit is the play no exit yeah, no vacancy yeah. is i don't know if that's a play probably it's a play I'm not sure <laughs> i didn't mean to disparage it um so is it worth staying at the legendary forge yes but not for the whole game well, it's like it's if you have the card, <laughs> like what are you doing there otherwise? Like I guess you're in, you're trying to hinder others. Like it's not really worth staying there. You you only gain benefit if you can use it, right? Well, unless you're like the Corvids, for example, you need to have a piece there during your crafting step to craft the card. Right. Yeah. But you don't know what cards you're going to draw at the end of your turn, right. so you, yeah. you got to like pre-stage yeah. your your guy there, you know. Yeah, the Corvids are always I, benefited from having a stray crow around, I guess. But yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it is definitely worthwhile. Um, but I mean, once the items are crafted, like, yeah, <laughs> there's no point. Yeah, yeah, it ceases <laughs> to have any meaning. I think your instinct is right, though, Jake. That by spending the actions to like get a piece all the way over there, if it's like inaccessible, and you're just kind of hoping to draw into. That card you're playing, Hope Root, and <laughs> that's just not going to be the most. Uh, sure. That's not going to be the best approach. All right, I think um, the Legendary Forge is going to be great for crows, woodland alliance, birds, otters, our crafters. Yeah, birds usually not in that conversation, but because we're scoring an extra point, that means all of these items have full point values except for coins, which you'll take the denial of the item crafting for one minus one point on coins every day of the week oh yeah 
My question is, is how does this interact with the Lord of the Hundreds? That's a faction that relies on items to build their action economy. In a way, the Legendary Forge is kind of a bottleneck on the items getting crafted. But in some ways, it's like incentivizing people to craft those very items that could help to prop up the Warlords game. So is this a, a benefit or a hindrance? It's great because usually you get no points from crafting an item because it goes yeah, straight the into your heart. Yeah. yeah, but in this case, you do get one point. And yeah, it that goes is nice. I mean, that's huge. I so many times I start off a game as the warlord, and I'm like, "Here we go, craft an anvil." That's two points, and everyone's like, "Nope," and I'm like, "That's correct. <laughs> it is not worth any points," <laughs> um, which always feels bad. But you know, if it's at the legendary forge, I mean, for four items, you got to be the first to be there. I don't think it's going to be game breaking, but it's it's nice. It's nice. My instinct is that this is actually pretty helpful for the warlord. Because having those items in play means that you can loot them from other players in the clearing with the Legendary Forge, which is kind of interesting, too. Oh, yeah. And in that way, you wouldn't actually remove those pieces so that players can still craft and keep going. But it's just sort of an interesting thing to think about. Right. You can kind of plan ahead of what items will be crafted. You know they'll have pieces there, at least probably for a turn. Usually people don't spend a move to move in craft and move out i don't know if anyone they just kind of move them in and leave them there it's usually like a single warrior or something i mean most need a piece yeah most factions don't have the action economy to move craft then move that's like vagabond and otters right like i don't think anyone else could do that usually it's a waste yeah so yeah it could be an interesting target for looting all the fox ones are prowess items right yes yep so that that might be different, and all of the rabbit ones are command. Right. And then mouse has one in each, so that's interesting to think of what that would do to a Warlords game. Yeah, it feels like mouse is probably the, the obviously, the, like, heavy hitter, the balanced one. Mm-hmm. Um, but Fox is really, I mean, you would just get juiced up so fast. Yeah. Yeah. All right, well, I'm going to give this one four stars. I think it's on par with the uh, fairy, though I think the fairy is slightly better than the forge. Just because forge, a little bit, stars need to align a little bit more. You have to work at it just a little bit more than you do for the fairy. Yeah, it's true. It is nice that they always give you complimentary breath mints when you go to the legendary forge, which is cool. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice because it's gross there. (laughs) Very sweaty. Is it strategically worth like camping on the forge and like telling people it's yours and don't come here and I'll kill you if you come here. Like, like what if you want to de-incentivize crafting? Like, let's say you're in a game with the hundreds and the vagabond against you and you're like the birds or the, or the cats or you're somebody who's maybe the birds are the best example. You're like the cats or the moles or whatever. And you're like, okay, you know what? I don't want items crafted by my opponents and I don't have any in my starting hand and I can, I can race the game without items and I can shut down, you know, if, if it's, if it's bunny, I can shut down boots and coins in this game. Is that, is that a beneficial strategy? I just don't think it works because people, they can just move there and craft on their turn. Right. All it takes is movement into, and then it's unlocked. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That answers my question. Yeah. I, yeah. It's not secure enough. I mean, I feel like this, this is a three star or like maybe even a two star 
clearing until you have a card, then it's a five star clearing. <laughs> like that <laughs> contingency, even though I know we're not doing that for other landmarks, is too important. But I mean, I know you made the point of like you could push a put a person there in the in the contingency that you draw one at the uh, end of your turn, a card. But I it's mean, a it 54 is card like, deck, you know? Yeah, it, but it is a tenth of the cards, no matter which suit you choose. Sure, it's sure. Um, you know, I don't think the odd, you know, I think you're right, Jake. Like if you don't have the cards, like who cares about the forge? But, um, but I think you will see those cards in the game. Like no doubt you will see if it's Fox, you will see a Fox crafter come through your hand. Now, do you also have the crafters on the board to take advantage of it? Like, yeah, I I think it does take a little bit more stars aligning. All right. So we're going to give it four stars moving on to the final landmark of the game folks we're talking the tower capital t capital t the tower j the tower set it up during setup put the tower in the middle of mordor adjacent to mount doom (laughs) if you hold the one ring of power this player can always see you Sorry, uh, that was the War of the Ring. Uh, the tower, set up. <laughs> Place the tower landmark in a clearing that has a ruin. It cannot have a landmark. Parentheses, the tower is found in the Underworld expansion for use in the mountain map. You may play the mountain map without the tower now. At the end of a player's evening, if they rule the tower's clearing, they score one point. As we mentioned Ooh, earlier in the baby. podcast, this is the only ruling that we can find that happens at the end of a player's evening, and thus the end of their turn. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, they score one point. This is also as bonus points. Now, multiple landmarks have given us points, but now they finally give us points as opposed to our opponents. <laughs> uh, I mean, Legendary Fords gave us a point, but uh, we, we get it now. We get it just for hanging out there and, crucially, ruling there. Yeah. What's nice is here's something that the Vagabond can't deal with. Vagabond has no interaction with the tower. Good riddance. We don't want you. Yeah. Um, you can't hold a tower if you're just one person. You can, yeah. like, chill in the tower, I suppose. Also, I'm really upset that the rules don't tell you to place the little meeple at the top of the tower. Yeah, it's, that's it's what just you the right do. size. <laughs> it's made it's for It's clearly it. a pedestal for the ruler of the clearing, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> 100%. We have a lot of experience with the tower since it's been around for a while, but I think I have only played it in the pass on the mountain map. I don't know if I've ever played it as like a variant landmark yet interesting yeah i think this one was such a a featured element of the mountain map when it was first released right because it was placed in the pass right that clearing that is directly in the middle of the map the only clearing that connects the east and west sides of the map before you open the rest of the paths uh so it's central it was kind of meant to be this king of the hill style kind of encounter um but the the only issue was on the mountain map, you get extra points for uncovering these paths. <laughs> yeah. And with the tower in play, you're getting extra points for ruling the pass. And we, we kind of quickly discovered that the games were just going really fast. Mm-hmm. And it was just a, a sprint to the finish line with this baby in play. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's so weird that it was on the mountain map, right? Extra points galore. The issue is, like, the mountain map has the perfect placement for the the tower all yes. other things there's nothing that says like it has to be what is it a clearing with a ruin okay so most of those are central a couple of them are on the edge 
Right. And especially the the lake map, the ruins are all around the lake. Like, it's not equal access. It's so crazy to think about the lake map without the ferry as well. <laughs> yeah. Like, that's such a crucial element of the lake map, I feel. It is. That interconnectivity is crucial. Well, <laughs> yeah. Notably, the lack of interconnectivity when it's gone is just so uh, shuts down the bottom half. Or not shuts down, but, like, isolates, I should say. Yeah. And so if the if the tower's down there also and you're, like, barricading it shut, that's pretty crazy cool. Yeah. I mean, Absolutely. in a world where Scoundrel goes scorched earth on one of those clearings, you're talking about, like, just a C-shaped map where one of the oh, corners of the cool sea example. could be the tower. Now, and... why would the Scoundrel do that? Because they can't benefit from this. What else are they going to do? They'd probably <laughs> scorched earth the tower clearing. If yeah, exactly. yeah, that's Burn exactly the what ground. they do. Create yeah. a new ruin. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think the, the tower would be most interesting to me on the winter map, actually. Yeah. One of and those ruined clearings. Yeah. I think it would be kind of fascinating. Yeah. It's already a bit of like a struggle, like a grind of a map. And putting a King of the Hill element on that one would be fascinating. Yeah. I saw somebody play a game online. I think it was Cole on Cole's root channel. Cole, not Whirly. Um, uh, did an Oops All Landmarks game. <laughs> and I thought that was fun. Because it doesn't seem like anything with these landmarks are like, oh, no, when you stack them, you know, like, I don't know. Right. Like, it doesn't seem as uh, game altering as the tower on the mountain map, you know, which is its intended <laughs> yes. use. So, yeah, um, yeah I don't know. Uh, let's talk about some things that you could do here in the tower clearing. Um, well, you can get a great view of the local ruins. Yeah, you really can. You can look from on high, right down into them. Um, <laughs> you could craft soup kitchens and control this thing with a token. That'd be kind of funny. That's pretty cool. It's not going to happen, but it's kind of funny. Yeah. Um, I, I've seen every faction control the tower. Uh, I've seen the Woodland Alliance blow up everything and then claim the tower. What a fun turn that is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I think like a snare here is really strong. Also, the keep starting in the tower is very yeah. strong. Yeah. yeah, that's quite good. Are there any other kind of like cheesy things you all can think of with the tower? Um, I mean, a lot of it is like end game stuff or like gambits where you like remove all the warriors from away from your buildings and stuff just to go for like a big control of the tower on your swing turn. Did you say lizards? Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, lizards uh, can put down a garden and just rule it. Yeah, it feels like a obviously a huge gamble because you don't want to lose gardens. But I mean, yeah. it's there. You... Yeah, if you're looking for a like a late game, like you've been saving up your acolytes and you're going to take over a clearing, it might as well be the tower. You know, <laughs> I you can use hirelings to score the tower point. Yeah, uh, treats hireling pieces as if they're contributes own, to rule their own only for rule. Yeah, so, so definitely. Yeah. Uh, so you could start to kind of think about what hirelings are going to help you rule. I'm thinking like the last dynasty. If you're looking for a place to place all those forest patrol warriors that have been taken off the board. Oh, yeah. Um, Very good call. The band actually kind of has an adverse effect <laughs> where they're putting people <laughs> into that clearing. Well, you would put the band next to the tower. Yeah, you're right. Adjacent you're right. to it and pull people out of that clearing. Yeah. 
Um, you could put the bandits on the paths that lead to the tower. Yes. Yeah, the, the, kind of too many interactions to list here, but the the main point here is that what you don't want is one player scoring all the extra points throughout the game. Yeah. Because as soon as they get on a roll like that, it just becomes very hard to stop them because they don't need to hustle as hard to scrounge for those extra points. They can just focus purely on defense or building their engine or whatever their priorities are. Uh, They don't have to take risks. So try and get points from this thing as early as possible. And don't be afraid to slug it out over the tower. Yeah. I mean, if you control it the whole game, that's definitely as good or not, if not better than coffin makers. Yeah. It's, it's equivalent basically. Yeah. Cause with coffin makers, you can expect between like three and six points. Yeah. Maybe up to seven over the course of the game, depending on how early you craft it. Yeah. And I feel like same with the tower, right? If you control the tower from turn one, you're going to get anywhere between like six or seven points. Um, Oof. Yeah. That's a lot. It's a lot for just ruling, for sure. Yeah. <laughs> I guess, like, uh, you know, combining it with, uh, like, royal claim or something. <laughs> like, how you could squeeze an extra point. I don't know. Um, it's surprising how uh, little, like, card effects impact rule. It really is yeah. only, like, soup kitchens. Soup kitchens. Yeah. Um, or Corvid Planners is about moving with rule. But, yeah. All right. Um, so are is this landmark worth visiting in y'all's opinion? A thousand percent. Great yeah. gift shop. It's the Thunderdome though, a little bit. Visiting yes. if you have enough to rule? Like uh, yeah. okay. So yeah, with that contingency, right? It's not worth just throwing a person in there like it is with Legendary Forge. Right. It's well, we wouldn't send people to Japan to eat at McDonald's. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to go to a place, you got to utilize what's there. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm just saying it's harder to utilize what's there. It's very, like, if it's not yeah. worth visiting if there's f- six moles there, right? <laughs> no, but you do have to push them off the top of the tower. Yeah. Right. So it's worth visiting if you have seven people to do it with or you're ready to battle <laughs> them down. I don't know. Like, yeah. Yes. The, the visiting yeah. is not everybody shares it. Like, the Legendary Forest, anybody who has a piece there yeah, gets yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah. the ferry is anybody who can move from there gets it. The black market is anybody who has a thing there gets yeah. it. So visiting is, is and utilizing is much more, much different with the tower. It's like, can you rule there? It's worth visiting if you own the hotel. <laughs> yeah, we should say this differently. Worth conquering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yes. I mean, yeah. like, because visiting only makes you like you said. It, or what did you say? It's going to be a, a fight there. Thunderdome. It's the Thunderdome. Yeah, yeah. Thunderdome. Well, like, yeah, people are going to want to defend it. So if you're ready to lose pieces, potentially, they don't want they don't want the threat. Yeah, I mean, yeah. You say we can't share it, but if everyone keeps retaking it on their own turn, then we all can share it. But it yes. yeah, that costs resources and actions, and yeah. And it may allow a player that's not really involved in that scramble uh, to get ahead by exploiting the space left behind. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, while all the other factions are focused on their kind of forever war in one clearing, someone else may have the opportunity to expand into the like nether spaces. <laughs> <laughs> I love what this does to a game of root. 
I think that it makes that clearing have a very distinct flavor. You know, I think some of these landmarks are like, okay, well, I guess there's like some ability I can access here, like black market or whatever. Um, but this one feels like, oh no, that clearing matters. Even if I don't want it, like I need to make sure that the same person doesn't have it the whole game, you know? And inherently there's just going to be more points in the game. It's going to be a faster one. This could benefit uh, factions that like to race. For example, yeah. the Duchy and the Eerie Dynasties. Yeah. Uh, it may kind of change what type of strategy they go for, um, which then has like follow-on effects for the rest of the factions as well. Like it, it really does alter the fabric of the game, like you said. Yeah, you might go Swolmol, you know? Yeah. If, you're, <laughs> if you're fourth player, you got the first pick of faction, you put the tower in a in a ruined corner or ruin edge rather. And then you just put the moles there and then turn one, like double Citadel. No one's coming after you turn one. I mean, they might cause they see what's going to happen, but yeah, you know, you keep that ambush in your draft and like, you know, you might be able to, to just have it the whole game. Yeah. If you survive turn one, you're, yeah. you're golden after that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, so is it worth staying? I think this is a resounding yes. Totally. Um, yeah. is it, like, here's the thing. Like, this thing can be a little bit of a distraction because it is one point, right? So how many how many warriors is that one point worth? Can you take six warriors, move them into the tower clearing? Okay, and then you rule, you get a point. Now, is taking those six warriors and doing some cardboard clearing, which is going to A, hinder your, neighbor, hinder your opponents, and B, potentially score you points, a better investment with those six warriors? I mean, obviously, it depends on your action economy, right? The, as with all rude examples, it's contingent yeah. upon your situation. But I just feel like the unquestionable is it worth staying is like it's only worth staying if you're really going to contest the rule in an effective way. Otherwise, it might be a nice thing for your opponents to go fight each other with. Like, yeah. I think you want your opponents to think it's worth staying. It might not be if you're in a corner doing your thing and getting the points that you need better than just one per turn. Yeah. No, I think you're exactly right. Yeah, it's possible to get kind of tower tunnel vision <laughs> for sure um and yeah but by, by kind of over committing your whole force to taking the tower no matter the cost uh it could end up being a real like throne of blood situation where you just end up uh covered in arrows at the end and getting dragged off screen <laughs> kyle talking about tunnel vision again you gotta let your Cincinnati <laughs> hole in the ground lie, Kyle. <laughs> All right. I just want to see what's down there. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about who it's good for. Birds, rats, I mean, can really take advantage of it, and they need the extra point per turn. Moles. Um, uh, I'm going to give this one four stars, right? I think it's not quite as good as the fairy. I think it's on par with the legendary forge. What do y'all think? I support this this rating for sure i think it might be a little higher it's a point and it's a point just for ruling like you just gotta be the biggest dog in the house i don't know what the analogy is you have to <laughs> you have to have the biggest group like that's that's a pretty low threshold for extra points but back to my previous example of what i was just talking about of like it being a distraction <laughs> i know i'm kind of contradicting myself but it does feel like by itself it's pretty awesome but in in the specificity of your game it can look more awesome than it really needs to be if you're if you're being more efficient in other places yeah 
Yeah, the tower has a good PR for team. Sure. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but if you look real closely at it, it's basically just like three ladders, two of which have just kind of fallen over. Yeah, what is that? And no one's like done anything about it, yeah. so. <laughs> yeah, why does the tower get you a point? I guess like the denizens of Woodland really respect the fact that you are up so high. Yeah, you have, your billboard is the highest. Yeah, whoever's kind of like faction branding is like up that high has to be doing something right. Yeah, that's a good point. It's only one point. It's only like one citizen being like, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, it makes sense to me like the legendary forge would get you a point like, wow, look at them. They unlocked the technology of shoes, you know, like I would give that person my vote, you know. <laughs> totally. Um, Elder Treetop, when you... Yeah, I guess you're like, the Elder Treetop deserves to be preserved, you know? Don't build a building on the Elder Treetop, you know? Mm. So when you take it down, the citizens like that, I guess. But that is going to bring us to a conclusion of this week's episode, as well as the landmarks and, folks, the components in the game. Finally. Yeah. Episode 71. We did it. Episode 71. We talked about the whole, all the components in the game. Oh, man. There's going to be some, oh, but you didn't with the whole, Uh, like, the Did you talk about the spy cards? (laughs) I was just going to bring up the spy cards. (laughs) Uh, We haven't touched the clockwork, really, other than having Kyle on. We haven't touched the RPG in a while. Yes, that's true. We haven't touched storage solutions for Root in a minute. Okay, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I wanted to do an episode about, like, pimping out your game. You know? Yeah, th- there's there's been so much evolution on that front, uh, largely fan-driven, but yeah. it's, it's kind of an, an interesting thing to think about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we do have a challenge this week, if you're listening, Bonsai, um, but we do need everyone's uh, contributions on this. Uh, we are going to be... Uh, we want to know everyone's favorite clips of the show. So if you have a fun memory and stuff and can find a, a nice little like 30 second, maybe up to a minute clip uh, that is your favorite uh, or something that can be edited to a minute, but don't push it. Let me give some clarity on this too. It's like, yeah. I want something that's funny and like easily edits down to 30 seconds or one minute. It could be like a two minute segment that you feel like, Oh, I see where they could cut it down to a 30 second thing or a one minute thing. Cause we're going to use them on social media. So I want the funniest clips for those of you that have listened to this podcast, like three times through, this <laughs> is your calling. You know where this is. So go back to your favorite episode. Whatever made you laugh the hardest out loud i want those clips and not only will you get a star uh for contributing uh what we'll do is we'll like look at all of them i'll start a thread in the discord for uh woodland war machine clips and you can add your time codes from each episode that you thought was awesome in there and we'll take the best submissions rated by a neutral party someone who's not part of this podcast like our producer matt moynihan who doesn't produce this podcast but he produced for good time society i'll have him pick the like the 10 best and then we'll do a raffle from then. And that raffle, I'm going to give away a copy of the Underworld expansion, the digital version. If you oh. already have it, you could just give it to a friend, right? Yeah. Yeah, rope somebody into playing Root. Uh, who doesn't love that? Um, so we'll start a thread in the Discord. Please send us your time codes for the the your favorite moments in Woodland War Machine. Uh, ideally 30 seconds or a minute or so. But if it's a little bit longer and we can edit it down, we'll take that as well. 
Great. You know, it's funny. I actually just got a, a notification from Leader Games like maybe a week ago that, that they were saying the Underworld expansion, the physical expansion, is now back in stock. Ooh, late-breaking yeah. root news. Yeah, it's at uh, only at their website right now. Hasn't reached the distributors yet, let me tell you what. Um, but it's good to know that we are not hoarding the Earth's only copies of the Underworld <laughs> expansion for RootCon. So that feels good. Soon everyone will have access to that. Oh, man, this is going to be the biggest unboxing in the universe at RootCon. I am it's going to be so fun. I'm going to have to do it before. I'm so dreading punching and organizing 80 boxes of roots someone suggested like a time lapse video and yeah, like what we I should like, be i grow think up should, like I th- i'm gonna be doing it for weeks i think what you should do it is do it by yourself time lapse but then we can also see your beard grow as you unbox the world and just the pile of like cans of beer just like growing in the back like have a small tree planted near you too and we see its leaves like flourish and fall oh that's really cute just really fast, like Rosie coming in and out to like lay in the sun. Like the sun is going through the room. <laughs> well, I know what all those boxes piled up to the ceiling are going to say when you read them top to bottom. They say, Root, 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 root,